Because if we don't address intensity, then they can fault us. Well, your class wasn't hard enough, or last Monday's was easier, or this ride was too easy, or I didn't, I didn't know what your game plan was, so I shouldn't have even taken this because it was a recovery ride in cycle, for example, or this was restorative yoga, but I really wanted power yoga. So if you give them what your game plan is for intensity, no one can fault you. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host, and you can find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. I am a fan of my monthly edition that I get from Idea of the Fitness Journal. It has wonderful articles from some very talented people. And one that caught my attention from last month was an article called Scripted Starts and Flawless Finales. And I thought, well, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. I had a post up and I'm going to provide a link to it in the post about, you know, maybe you want to develop somewhat of a theme song or um, something that brands you time and time again. So I, as I read through this article, I think, well, with any luck, I can get him as a guest. And uh, joining me is Lawrence Viscontini, who is the author of this. And as I'm looking at his website, realizing that he was the 2012 winner of the CanFit Pro International Presenter of the Year Award. Lawrence, welcome. Hello. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for mentioning the award. It was a huge surprise to me, and I'm looking forward to our chat. As I am as well. And we should warn everyone, because it's already happened once, that you are in New York, and with all the storm damage that's occurred, your internet is a little spotty. All of New York right now, as we're (laughs) recording this, is a little spotty, but we're very, very (laughs) grateful to be moving forward on a daily basis. Yes, and we're and our thoughts and prayers with everybody out there. It's just a horrible thing, and um, hopefully that you can get things rebuilt quickly and get everybody uh, back whole. Why is it, Lawrence, that you feel it's important for us as instructors to have a scripted start? Well, John, research tells us that people might not always remember the train wreck they have in the middle of a class, or... The, <laughs> the train wreck. <laughs> or the beautiful experience they have in the middle of an experience. But they always will remember the first five minutes and the last five minutes. So if I can invite you just to take a pause to the last class you may have taken, and every listener as well, you may remember exactly how that class began and exactly how that class ended. Did the instructor say, okay, thanks, y'all, see you Monday? Or put the lights back on if it was cycle and say, make sure you dry off your bike and put the saddle high, etc.? Or whatever happened in the beginning and the end, you remember that. But you don't remember every single progression and regression and song and flow, for example, in a, in a group fitness cycle experience indoors. However, the beginning and the end is when you have a chance to set your theme, to be your brand, to hone your message, and also to be the Starbucks of fitness. What I mean by that is to be your consistent delivery of message. 
And if people are going to remember and take away most, the first five and the last five minutes, that is, why not perfect, polish, rehearse, and be really flawless in the first five minutes and the last five minutes? Granted, latecomers arrive and people who have to go to work leave early, but that's not our problem. The problem is that what we're responsible for, and we're responsible for saying as much as we can in terms of, I say, the seven things that should be in every opening and the five things that should be in every closing. And the more we practice that, the more we can be consistent in our delivery and people will learn to look up to and expect and take things from our openings and closings. One thing you mentioned right away, which is the bane of all instructors, are late arrivers that are disruptive and how it really can throw your game off, uh, especially in a in the frantic world we live in, does having a scripted beginning help you to kind of recenter yourself, do you think? I don't think having a scripted center absolutely helps prevent the being distracted if people come in late. That's a separate chapter of a, of a separate book. But <laughs> okay. what we talk about in that is that if your club allows people to come in late, and there are some clubs that say we offer such an elite experience that people are allowed in at any time for any reason, you have to be able to provide a seamless experience no matter what happens. How you handle that, if somebody's walking in for the very first time of cycle and you're 10 minutes into the class and looks at the bike and sort of scratches and sniffs and says, hi, can I try? That's a whole other experience on, on how to keep that experience flowing, and that's not part of the scripted start and flawless finales. This really is what's in your head in terms of what you've prepared and the discipline that you're going to teach and how it comes out of your mouth and body language. Latecomers is another issue. It can throw newcomers, new instructors off their game, but you have to be able to make sure that whether a light blows out, blows out on a Broadway show, for example, you are not off your game. And if somebody walks in late or leaves early, you're not off your game. You still have to be able to roll with that. I used to be able to be very, very phased by things like that. But now it's it's in New York, it's just sort of you roll with the punches and everyone has an agenda and issues. But ultimately, to circle back, it comes up with the club. I would love clubs to say, after the music begins, no one is allowed in or out. In other words, the doors get locked. And I've worked at facilities where, especially in cycle and some equipment-driven class experiences, we were able to lock the door when we press play. And the doors locked automatically when we press play. Oh, wow. So, you know, I would love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because once people showed up late once, they wouldn't show up late again. Or bring security to the door and start pounding. And for the whole 45-minute ride, make a nuisance of themselves. That was all. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, the only point I was making is that if, 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 you've, if, if, if what you're going to deliver is scripted and in your head, even after dealing with a late comer distraction, you sh- the idea that you can hopefully kind of bring yourself back to ex- and know exactly what it is you're going to do to get started. Right. So that would be just prepared for the, the whole body of your experience, what you're going to deliver. And I believe we have to have sort of a game plan. I believe, and I found through all these years of teaching, that we don't plan to fail, but we so often fail to plan. The alternative of that, however, is to be so scripted, and there are programs out there that are such, that you can't cue to what you see. And if you find that people need a little more time to get a move or an experience or a habit or a movement pattern, then you need to be able to progress a regressive movement for the S word, which is success. Success by the majority. Granted, there'll always be somebody who maybe never gets it. But 
I think that you have to be able to cue to the majority. And that means even if it's scripted in your head, you're able to move and sort of ATM, abandon the mission in the middle of the experience, which is why I'm not an advocate of scripting every moment. But I am an advocate of the start and finale to, to make it flawless and scripted. All right. Well, then let's just walk through the bullet points that you've listed in the article. And, and uh, there will be a link to the <clears throat> excuse me, this article on your website where uh, ACE uh, fitness journals are only available to ACE members for the first 30 days or something. And then once they're available, uh, then you can access them and you have have this available on your site at findlawrence.com. Um, starting with just the welcome, you know, how do you recommend instructors to handle that? I believe for all the tips, there's sort of a little caveat here, John, we're going to go into Instructors need to put everything we're going to say into their personality and their demographic. If I'm teaching my chronologically enriched individuals, which we used to call seniors, then I, I don't use the same nomenclature as I would outdoor teen boot camp on a, on a Friday night, for example. But I think it's important in some way that suits your personality and suits their receptivity to give a welcome. It could be a long, drawn-out welcome or a short, quick, hey, guys, that's a welcome. It all depends. But so often we forget the most obvious, which is to use that W word of welcome. All right. Uh, do you uh, recommend an introduction for who you are? Sometimes they know who you are. If it's the same people for years and years and years and they've been taking your step and they know that the, the first three minutes of warm up are never going to change, I don't think it's important to say, hi, my name's Lawrence, unless CNN is there doing a soundbite and recording. Obviously, you don't have to restate the obvious. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, next is you list as intensity. Right. I think it's important that we give people some measure of how you invite them to take that experience. From a breathing class all the way to cardio killer combat kickbox, I think you want to be able to tell them how you invite them to work. For example, today is not about working out. It's about working in. So you're not going to break a sweat, but you will leave more empowered as a champion of living. To the other extreme, we're using the perceived exertion chart today. And between 6 and 20, I invite you to be between 14 and 18 at every moment. And then you've given them some idea of how they should take accountability and responsibility for that experience. Because if we don't address intensity, then they can fault us. Well, your class wasn't hard enough, or last Monday's was easier, or this ride was too easy, or I didn't, I didn't know what your game plan was, so I shouldn't have even taken this because it was a recovery ride and cycle, for example, or this was restorative yoga, but I really wanted power yoga. So if you give them what your game plan is for intensity, no one can fault you. And then the second part of that, John, is to hold them accountable because you're saying, this is how I invite you to work during that experience, and then they make themselves accountable. The last thing I say at intensity is I always always conclude saying the ultimate question, my friends, 30, 40, 45, 60 minutes from now is, did you choose the intensity that you needed today for you? And then they realize, oh, he's going to ask me in an hour and hold me accountable because he's coming up with the music and the prescriptions and the exercises and the movements and the equipment and the training and the flow and the rehearsal, but he's not responsible for my intensity. And when you put it back on them, I think the onus, so to, so to speak, really helps remind them where accountability lies. And then, of course, you have to ask them again in the end. Did you step up? Did you choose the intensity that you needed that was appropriate for you? That is profound. I love that. Thank you. You know, as I do these interviews, I you know I can't help but internalize them, thinking, okay, do I do that? Do I do that? And I and I don't. I'll I'll give some guidelines, but I don't ever 
although I do find myself sitting in the middle of my class trying to encourage people to take ownership. But that's too late, isn't it? Right. And then ultimately remind them that I will be holding them accountable at the end. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, great. Well, this has been worthwhile for me. Thank you, Lawrence. I appreciate your time. But, uh, but the rest of the listeners are going to want to know what else you've got to offer. I have nothing else to offer at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. And listeners should know this is 6 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning for me. And uh, but Lawrence, you're uh, very engaging, and I appreciate that. The next step or component of your opening that you're listening is gratitude. I think it's important just to tell people that you're appreciative they're there. And it could be, thanks for coming. And you can do all of this in less than five minutes. This, when people first hear of all these, oh, a scripted start and a flawless finale. Lawrence, it's going to be a lecture as you're, as you're talking before you ever press play. And they're already frothing at the mouth that they, they want to start their squats and lunges and burpees. And I always say, when you're telling them about equipment and you're telling them what's coming up and you're doing any kind of engaging in dialogue, which you have to do as an instructor before you press play, all this is important. You can say... Hey, I'm so happy to see you. Thanks for coming. That's less than 15 seconds. And that just covered three of the aforementioned categories that we just went through. So I want to remind us that when you are very proficient at this, it comes not only naturally, but very time proficiently. So gratitude is some way to express to them, whether it's a first time event or they're newcomers, or you're just saying, hey, because you had to pay extra for this experience tonight because the money or the shoes go to charity, whatever it is. Thank you for coming in the vocabulary that that matches your style. I am filled with gravi- gratitude to see this movement studio full on a 9 a.m. Wow. Or, hey, y'all, thanks. Whatever it is, some expression that meets your, meets your personality to thank them because we so often forget that and so often do personal trainers and group fitness instructors study movements and muscles and so very seldom do the companies that be actually give us customer service skills and training. And that uh, thank you, that expression of gratitude is so important to to the public, whether they realize it or not, every single day. Someone told me, I can't remember who it was, but uh, they took something from uh, the business world and they say, you got to remember ABS, and that's always be selling. Oh. And the idea is that you're constantly selling your class. Um, through there. And part of it is expressing <laughs> gratitude that they're your customer, um, which is a great thing. All right. Well, uh, how do, then how do you recognize new students that you recognize in class? It's going to usually be visually. I don't always say if you're very new and I've never seen you before and you have physical issues that you want to just call out and share in front of everybody, raise your hand and share. <laughs> of course not. I recognize them visually, and if they're in the friend or middle, because they've come with a friend, I'll go up and say, hey, my name's Lawrence, welcome, in the ideal world when you all have extra minutes before you have to press play. But if they're sort of demure in the back, and their eyes are going up and down, and you already figure from body language that they don't want to be singled out, I will say, I see some new faces, I'm so happy you're here, when I walk around, I will introduce myself personally. And then I go in the warm-up, what if I have people doing squats or grapevines or lunges or a simple ride, and walk over and say, with my microphone off, of course, hey, my name is Lawrence, what's your name, and is there any immediate issues I need to know about? Are you pregnant, hungover, medicated, all three, anything I have to know that would change about about what's going on in the next hour as I have as a, as a guest in, in my party? You have to forgive me. Sometimes I just project my own issues onto the show, but I'm guessing if I have the problem, others do. Is that 
do you find yourself as an instructor um, overly concerned about uh, new new uh, students? Do you throughout class? I realize this is we're off topic a little bit, but do you do you tend to keep checking back in on them? That's such a great question, and it's so involved. Do I keep an eye out for the newcomers to make sure that their first experience with me is as positive as I'm responsible for it being? Absolutely. Do I get overly concerned about all possible issues with all newcomers? No, because to be in a club setting, they will have signed a park queue, they will have been registered, they will have signed their waivers, and legally responsible for telling me what they needed to when I opened myself up. Like, do you have any issues I need to know about for the next hour? So my goal is more in worrying on a personal customer service setting on everybody feeling success than the physical setting. They've already told me what they need and the professional eye of me will know, make sure that when we go prone, for example, pregnant mama-to-be is not staying in this position on her belly for a long period of time. That's, that's easy as a professional. The customer service aspect to make sure everyone wants to have a repeat experience is something much more ephemeral, but nevertheless important. Got it. Okay, good. And again, I like how you kind of push off the responsibility to the student member. In, in this day and age, in New York, we have 7,500 people in a class. There's no way. Our personal trainers have the easiest job in the world in New York City, if you ask me, because you have one person to deal with. But in New York, everybody has issues, and we've got packed classes in small spaces. And it's the sort of the heart of the, the prime time of the, of the club at any hour because everyone wants to be there because instructors – all over the world rock, and New York is no exception. So I think that it's important that you make people know what their responsibilities are in group fitness. Instructors have to rock, but students have definitely a protocol and etiquette to take, which is a whole other workshop, as you said, off topic. But it is their responsibility to learn how to be a student. Yes. Again, I'm fascinated listening to you, and I forgive me for keep coming up with new things to ask you, but, uh, but we'll get back to, our, to, our, uh, to your article. The next thing that you uh, discuss as part of your opening is sound and equipment. I think it's important to mention to people what you're going to be using today. We often take for granted in Groove Fitness that I'll have music and I'll play it for you. But if it's if it's simple as cycle where they know they're going to be cycling, not going nowhere in a dark room fast for an hour in silence – Let's tell them something about the music. Perhaps we've built it up on Facebook. Perhaps we've let them populate our playlist for the day. Perhaps we have a theme of our playlist for today. Perhaps we forgot our playlist and we've just shuffled around songs on our iPhone at the last second (laughs) for class so that we can actually tell them, hey, you might not understand today the disc apparently disconnected, disjointed theme that I put together for you, but I'll ask you at the end what you thought about this this medley of songs when you have no idea what's going to turn out, right? But music is important, and the equipment we're going to use is important, and you have to identify it at the beginning. Just because it's kettlebells doesn't mean everybody in there has ever used it before. Just because people have come to CardioSculpt may not know that you, as a sub, are going to use completely different equipment from Mark on Monday, what he normally uses, for example. Identifying the equipment really helps kinesthetic learners learn how to put everything in terms of their playground and space management and helps organize the class in terms of consistency and safety and also helps people understand what you've prepared for them in terms of customer service. And again, it's, 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 it's not taking on the problem. It's kind of pushing it out. And do you get involved heavily with, well, for like a cycle class as far as 
having the students check their setup, positioning, preparedness? Do they have all their stuff? Do you, do you get involved in that in your opening? I do. If it's more of a first-timer class or a level one, depending on the time slot and the club and the level of experience, then I go into it more, and that's part of the introduction. Make sure that, and then I'll finish with the things that have to have to occur, like shoelaces tucked in or no open shoelaces if you're wearing traditional sneakers, for example, and, and go down the key points that I want everybody to address. Then you, you talk about a teaser. I think it's wonderful to give a teaser as a scripted start. Something about your experience that says why they have to stay that has nothing to do with the beginning of the class. So, hey, my friends, I just learned the moon salutation in yoga, for example. We're going to do it at the end of class. Oh, man, we have to wait 50 minutes? Mm-hmm, that's it. That's what a teaser is. A teaser at the beginning of Grey's Anatomy or General Hospital or, an, or a TV serial will tell you, what happened last week and what's coming up, why you have to watch it all the way through, why you're not going to deviate during the commercials and why you're going to stay. Just like Ryan Seacrest on American on American Idol. We're going to find out this after the break. goes back to that always be selling thing, selling the next moment, the next thing that's coming. It's interesting you – in your article, you've got uh, Jay Blonick quoted who's going to be a guest on the podcast here uh, later this month and – uh, he's, you've quoted him as saying, planting that seed at the start builds excitement. Let them know they're all part of a team and that all aspects of the class will come together for one large purpose at the end. Absolutely. I think it's important to set a teaser so they really have something to look forward to. You're going to dangle that proverbial fitness carrot and Make them anticipate it. Anticipatory cues are so important. This is why you're going to stay. This is one little thing, not, not oh, you're going to love the playlist today because that's I'm going to press play. It's got to be something that's going to happen. Hey, I learned a new place to stick this bender ball that we've never done before. <laughs> We're going to stick it there 30 minutes from now. And everybody's like, what, what? Show us now. And when you have your following, you know they'll do anything you say and they'll be interested in anything you have to say. So that's, that power is amazing. And I think it's wonderful to give a teaser in the beginning to make every experience a little bit different. Correct. And creating anticipation, I, at least for me, would make that from when you say it to when you actually deliver what you promise – that part in the middle kind of goes by very quickly. Absolutely. Even even in Cycle, you have playlists and you have your favorite song, I don't know, towards the end. I don't always start with my favorite song and then have it be downhill from there. Not that I just have one favorite song, but when the hit song out was Call Me Maybe, and then it was on for the London Olympics and all the athletes doing it on YouTube and all the remixes, it was a great song and all the remixes were rocking. So I would put that at the end of my cycle playlist. And every time a song was going to start, I'd say, y'all know the song Call Me Maybe? And they would all go, yeah, this is not it. song same thing same thing and by the end they were just like finally the anticipation was like they were salivating waiting for that song it takes us some confidence to to pull that off though doesn't it you know your people i travel around the world i see new faces every single day i think this all these are easy for the people who have a have have a following you have the same faces with a with very minimal change each week so if you don't have confidence from the people that you're teaching regularly then that's a whole other article we need to talk about Right. Well, maybe, maybe I'm having so much fun with you, Lawrence, but that, that, that's a good possibility. We could try to do that. Um, and you were telling me that you write um, a huge number of 
articles and you've got a bunch of books too, correct? My keyboard's pretty active. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you have excellent verbal skills. I think anyone listening is going to agree. <laughs> so, all right. So we've <clears throat> walked through this and again, the article is going to be up so that you'll have a cheat sheet that you can refer back to. But the next thing is that you're going to want to talk about the theme of your class. It's important regardless of the movement changing from week to week, whether it's pre-choreographed, pre-formatted, or freestyle format or not, to have a theme that tells people, here's our focus for today. Take away movement, and I'd love you to think about the following theme during this experience. And not only set it in the first five minutes, John, but underline it during the experience. So that, for example, every time you look at your class and say, now, what's our theme today? They can tell it back to you. If they look at you and sort of scratch and sniff, you know you haven't done a very good job of underlining the theme for the day. And especially, it will be part of our finale to ask them, what what was our focus today or what was our theme? What are some common examples? Today, we're going to focus on balance, my friends. Today, our theme is nose breathing only. Today, our theme is right and left leg difference. Today, our theme is strength. Today, our theme is power. Today, our theme is super slow eccentric training. Today, our theme is finishing the last few repetitions of everything with our eyes closed. Whatever the theme is, I've given so many more examples of how to set themes and create a different focus for each experience that, based on different genres and disciplines that we focused on, on, on a book I wrote. But the important thing is that to, to give people something to focus on for that week, not that it's related specifically to movement, because you could have the same pre-choreographed experience from week to week. But if you say today our focus is this, it comes out completely differently. As instructors who do teach pre-choreographed format know, you can teach that same music, moves, and magic at 9 a.m. and at across town in a different competing club at 5 p.m. and the experience is completely different. Although the moves and the magic and the choreography have been identical. What changes? The energy. Setting a theme helps redirect and focus energy from group to group. This is awesome. Next, you talk about issues. I think it's important to have an open-ended statement like, if you have any issues that you want to share in front of the whole group that I need to be aware of, please bring them to my attention now. When you put it that way, you're covering yourself legally, but I don't open up the Pandora box for every single person to tell me why he or she is also seeing a physical therapist, because that would happen in a class of 100 people. So I just say, as I'm walking around or I'm, I'm near you today and you need any special bring to any special issues to my attention, please feel free to do so and we'll have a conversation. However, in most exercises, I'll always show you ways to make them easier called a regression and a ways to make them harder called a progression. Or I'll say I'll t- show most exercises today at level two. And for wrist and lower back and knee issues, the most common, I will also show you a way to make it easier. That's called a level one and a way to amplify or caffeinate that. And that's called a level three. And when you set that out in your introduction, you help addressing some of those common issues and people don't feel like they have to raise their hand and tell you they have knee, lower back and carpal tunnel. And you're also letting them aware, know that you as an instructor who's experienced and seasoned know that you need to teach not one size fits all mentality. But definitely we want to address that. Sometimes people say, who has some issues you want to tell me about that I need to be aware of and have that pregnant pause? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not my personality and it doesn't go with my pre-choreographed flow, but I applaud the people who actually stop and have a free-for-all of people sharing their issues. And then lastly purpose. 
I think it's important to address that experience. It's so exper- it's so important to say what what our purpose is today. Even cycle. Granted, you're not generally the purpose of cycle is not strength and it's not increasing flexibility for an hour. It's cardiovascular programming to some degree. Yes, you get other benefits during that experience. Yes, the benefits are not just cardiovascular. But if you say fitness has a trilogy, it's cardio, strength, or flexibility. Which one is this? Cardio and cycle would be matched together if there were a quiz and it were matching. That said, you can have a lot of different kind of purpose for that cycle class. Today, our purpose is to do a recovery ride to keep you within this kind of target heart zone. Today, our purpose is to make it a mindful ride for as much of this experience as possible. You will do this with your eyes closed while we're burning fat. Today, our purpose is to burn the most amount of fat you can in this hour and a half ride going nowhere in the dark. Whatever it is, you got to tell people the purpose because they will know different from the focus. Focus is not related just to the movement. It's related to what you want them to concentrate on. The purpose is biomechanically, why are they there? And so often we forget that and, and, and bring that to the forefront of the minds of the participants in the experience. The class could be called cardio sculpt, yet what we do in that class sometimes doesn't even achieve that. So we want to restate the purpose for newcomers, for first-timers, and for seasoned veterans because we want to say, hey, even though we're doing step today, let's remember that it's to improve the overall efficiency of our heart. And when you change up the way you say it, you help people look at that discipline with a new respect and different eyes. I have learned that if you change the way you see things, the things you see will change. And similarly, if you change the way you say things, the things they hear are changed. All right. Now, we've thrown a lot at our listeners. How would you recommend an instructor actually kind of craft this together. I mean, you and I have spent 30 minutes talking about this. I'm going to guess you should be able to deliver this whole thing in three or four minutes. Say at the beginning of class and write it out and then take a highlighter and highlight the points that address our acronym, which really everything comes out easily to remember. And then see where you need to add some points that I've suggested that you might not normally reword it, rewrite it, rememorize it to take less words and be more impactful within any order and personality that fits you and your demographic. And then practice memorizing it. Make your bullet points and then see if you can start doing it in the car, in the supermarket, in the subway, when you're walking without the notes. And the more you do it, the better it gets. Essentially just kind of laid out in a series of bullet points and then you know, fill in a little blank to address each bullet, right? Or have somebody record the first three minutes of your normal class and then watch it and write it out verbatim what you've done. You script it. You watch yourself on the screen and you type it all out and you say, I've said all this. Then you print it out and with a highlighter, you highlight what are the bullet points I've mentioned that need to be in your introduction that you did address and then rewrite it as a script for Tom Cruise or Nicole Kidman tomorrow and really put some time and attention into that, like a scriptwriter for a key Hollywood movie, and then practicing it that way. So you're taking your personality, what you've already done, right? And you're making it better and better. And that's the ultimate goal of everything that we do in fitness is not a chipmunk doing the same thing over and over. That's how the Chinese define insanity, but actually making a change to get better each time. Okay. Now, so do you have time to go through the closing? If you have time for me, I have time for you. Oh, absolutely, I do. All right. And because of the length of this and the incredible value that I'm I'm personally pulling from it all, we're going to split this into two episodes. And so 
our pro members can look forward to um, the second half of this, which is going to be closings and transitions. It was great to be with you in this first part, John. Oh, well, I so much enjoyed having you. Now, again, uh, Lawrence, they can find you at findlawrence.com. And is that the best place to contact you if they have questions or interested in knowing where you're going to be presenting next? findlawrence.com. There is a little button in the upper right that says contact and a little button in the upper left to be my Facebook follower. All right. Well, Lawrence Biscontini, I appreciate having you today, and I'm going to look forward to our second conversation that's going to be coming up shortly. Thank you. I look forward to part two as well, John. 